Welcome to the Clover Report podcast, where we help parents guide their teenagers to success in high school, college, and life. Paying for college is expensive, and most parents hope that scholarships will help cover some portion of the cost of their teenager's education. But knowing how to help your teen have the best chance at getting a scholarship is difficult. That's why today's show focuses on scholarships and two other issues that don't get much attention but play a huge role in determining how much your teenager will ultimately pay for their education. I'm your host, Dr. Rudy Jackson, and today we'll be talking with our guest, Dr. Lydia Soleil, the director of the Emory Scholars Program at Emory University. Dr. Soleil, welcome to the Clover Report podcast. Thanks, Dr. Jackson. Glad to be here. Very excited to have you on the show, and I want to start by having you tell our listeners about your professional background, and then we'll move into your list of the top three things parents should know about finding a great college, and then the role scholarships can play in paying for college. Sure. My background, I've been in higher education for about 17 years. I've worked in career centers. Um, I've worked in student affairs uh, in residential life. And I've also worked in teaching centers, um, helping prepare graduate students and faculty to do a better job teaching um, at a variety of institutions. Currently, I'm the director of the Emory Scholars Program, which is the Merit Scholars Program here at Emory University in Atlanta. Great. So Dr. Soleil, let's jump right into it. And let's start by telling our parents about the three things that they should know about finding a great college. So the first thing starts kind of before it's even time to look for college. Um, I want to encourage parents to empower their young person and their family to follow their interests, to start to figure out who they are and how and what they want to be in the world, not just to get a lot of activities so that they'll have a good application. One of the things that you'll notice um, is that if you are just kind of doing things uh, because you want them on your application, you're not going to be able to talk about them in as much of a meaningful way as if you're really doing the things that you care about and you're passionate. Um, as a little funny story, I remember my daughter had been taking cello lessons um, and we had had to stop for a little while and we were in a position to, to start up again. And I asked her, you know, do you, do you want to go back to playing cello? And in the meantime, she had started doing uh, musical theater. And I said, do you want to go back to cello? And she said, no. And I said, how come? She said, well, mom, I like cello, but I love musical theater. And that's the kind of things that, that we need to do is not just have them do cello to do cello, but find the thing that they really love and encourage them to do that because then they'll be able to talk about it in their application in meaningful ways. So the second tip I would have for parents um, is to really help your young person find the best fit college for them and for your budget. And what I mean by that is the best college for your student may not be the best according to the US News and World Report ranking. Um, depending who they are and how and what they want to be in the world, different schools are going to be a better fit for them. So some students are going to fit in well at a really big research university. Other ones are going to do better at a small liberal arts college. Some might do better in a city versus a small town. Um, depending what their major is, um, the school that they're going to may or may not be the best fit for that. And then what are the extracurricular or social things that are available? Um, so if someone is really interested um, in sports and loves to watch sports, um, trying to find a division one or two school might be a good choice. If they wanna be a journalism major, that's not a major that all universities have. So finding a place that has that major. Um, the other thing I would say just kind of as, a, as an add-on to that is 
uh, I would have you encourage your young person to not be afraid to apply to really competitive schools or reach schools, something that they think is is maybe out of um, out of the way for them. Sometimes they might be surprised. I wouldn't only apply to those schools. You want to kind of have a mix of things that are a good fit um, and maybe things that seem like you're right on the edge of being competitive. Um, but don't be afraid to, to throw a couple reach schools in there because you could always be surprised. Great. Well, I tell you what, I do want to stop you right here. I know you have one more thing that parents should know. Uh, I think we're going to get into some conversations about scholarships. But before we go there, I want to go back to the first two where we talked about interest and you talked about fit. And I want to just back up a little bit, maybe take them uh, back as you talked about them most recently. So the last thing you mentioned was the issue of applying to schools that maybe reach schools or maybe more competitive in the eyes of the teenager. And can you give a little more detail to maybe some of that fear or uncertainty that some students have that may be unwarranted or it's just a fear that they picked up, uh, but if they can move through it, they could be really successful at some of these schools. Sure, I think we see two things. One um, is something that's actually a phenomenon that you can read about or search on the internet called imposter syndrome, which is when you have students um, or individuals, it can even happen with professionals, we have panels on it sometimes here at Emory, um, who they don't really believe that they um, are kind of as great as they are. Um, and so sometimes um, they really need to have those who are the mentors kind of share uh, what they are like through their eyes so that they can maybe see themselves through the mentor's eyes. Um, sometimes this can be, you know, encouraging them to talk with their um, school counselors or encouraging them to talk with their teachers and ask them what kind of schools that they think uh, they should be applying to. Um, in some cases, it may be going and talking to an admissions officer um, and sharing the things that they are doing and why they're interested in that school and trying to get some feedback from that individual college that they're interested in. The other thing that you sometimes see is students are just really humble um, and they have, um, uh, they're really just wanting to do good in the world and make the world a better place and they're not really looking so much for the credit and they sometimes have a harder time selling themselves. Um, a lot of times uh, we get to look at the applications of students who are applying to the Emory Scholars Program once they've been vetted by our admissions office and we'll find students where, you know, they look somewhat impressive but then you read their letters um, from their faculty and they really do the bragging for them. Um, and so some of it is students sometimes need to learn how to do what we call the humble brag, is to really put out there all the things that they are doing, why they care about it, um, and not be afraid to really show who they are and what they've accomplished, even if they're usually a little bit reticent about getting credit for it. That's great. Next thing I want to go back to, as we were talking about fit, was the process at which a teenager sees different colleges and comes to know that one is better, that they can do better at one. Again, the kind of classic example is, you know, the big college versus the small college. Do you have a few more details about what you've seen in that process so that parents can look at their teenager and say, yeah, my son or daughter is looking at all large research ones. I can't convince them to look at a small liberal arts or medium size have you seen about that process that you could help parents with? 
So what I can say is that most universities, if you're going to visit them, if you ask to be able to go and visit a class or to talk with a faculty member, um, they're usually willing to set that up for you. And so that's something where a student can kind of try the test drive, you know, go to a, a Chem 101 type class at a big university and go to a Chem 101 class at a small liberal arts college um, and see the difference or go to a a writing class or political science class or whatever it is they might be interested in um, and be able to compare and contrast and to be able to talk with a faculty member. Um, they can also often reach out to faculty members on their own um, and say, I'm interested in going there. I'd love to see a syllabus for such and such course, um, be able to see the difference, even just not the content, but the tone, um, what kinds of policies are on there, what type of resources does a faculty member put on the syllabus so that they can start to kind of compare and contrast um, what might the experience or, or um, with the faculty or with the subject be at each school. Okay, great. Tell us about the third thing that you think parents should know about this process. And I think this is going to lead into scholarships. Absolutely. So um, as the director of the Emory Scholars Program, our program gives away merit scholarships. Um, we do have one scholarship um, that is both need-based and merit-based, um, where those students are pre-screened. Um, but most universities have some sort of merit scholarship and some sort of need-based scholarship available. And in terms of merit scholarships, they may be part of a scholar's program where you're part of a community and you go to different programming and maybe have extra advising or opportunities, or they may just be a plain merit scholarship. No matter what, the one thing that I will say is that people need to apply early to schools. Some of the scholar programs that I know of, their deadlines are in October. Um, so if you wait and apply a regular decision, um, you won't be considered for those. And a lot of them, you don't have to be applying early decision. You just have to get your application in early. Um, and it may be that it's a separate application or it may be that you just apply through the college um, and you have to be applying early. But applying early is something to consider for any merit program. The other thing I would say with merit scholarships um, is to really look at um, the qualities that they're looking for in that program. So often there'll be pillars or qualities or elements, things like leadership or community service, um, and make sure that your young person is a match. Um, if you uh, have a student who really isn't into any sort of community service and that's one of their three or four qualities, that might not be the best one to spend your time on. The other thing I'll say is that many, many colleges offer full scholarships to high need students. And it's really important to do your research and find out which ones they are. So if you Google things like colleges that meet full demonstrated financial need, you'll find all sorts of lists out there. Um, and what you might find is that your private schools can actually end up cheaper than your state school because they may put a lot more grant aid and less loans. I know here at Emory, we have something called Emory Advantage, where if your family makes less than $50,000, um, you're guaranteed to have uh, a scholarship that doesn't, uh, a need-based scholarship that doesn't include any um, loans in your package. That's great. Most of the parents that I work with, uh, regardless of the type of high school they go to, don't understand the importance of applying early. They don't understand the importance of looking for those, those high-need or full uh, demonstrated financial need programs. And they just feel like they just will do a profile on a scholarship search, or they'll do what the school counselor tells them, tells them to do as it relates to scholarships. And they really need more guidance uh, about the scholarship process. And so I really appreciate you sharing that. But I wanna pull out one of the most important things that I think 
students need to develop because we keep pushing them to take more AP classes and we keep pushing them to be over-involved in extracurriculars. But you really talked about this idea of students learning how to ask for the things they need. And for me, I see that as a success skill and it gets overlooked. Uh, what do you see, particularly in those scholars who are coming in who have been vetted and now are coming in for their interview do some really have that skill or have honed that skill and some just really you can tell haven't developed it yet that's a good question um i think that what we mostly see is students who for our particular program just have this drive to make the world a better place and they almost can't help themselves um, <laughs> uh, they're usually a student who really has a passion about something so um for example, we have a student who was, um, you know, really passionate about writing and kind of writing her story. And she tried to publish uh, a book as a as a 15 year old uh, that was kind of a, a memoir and she wasn't able to. And so she said, well, that's fine. I'm just going to turn it into a, a fiction book and try to try to get it published that way. And she was able to be successful. Um, and so there are students who they don't say yes or no. They say how. So they aren't really going to let anything stop them. They're going to find a way to get things done that they want to get done. And, you know, that goes right back to where we started with the passion and the interest. And the challenge for some parents is that they have a teenager who has an extremely focused passion, and it becomes the task of harnessing their direction toward that passion and then on the other side of the continuum, you have parents who have teenagers who haven't found their passion or haven't explored the things they're interested in, and they're doing as much work to try to help them find that passion before they leave high school and go off to college and start spending money for their education or moving into a major without uh, a real interest or passion. Uh, any advice for those parents on both ends of the continuum? So I think that one of the ways to think about the student's passion is it's not just the passion for subjects inside the classroom, but also outside of the classroom. There are all sorts of things that students can major in once they get to college, whether it's anthropology or sociology um, or women's studies that aren't things that are typically taught in high school, um, but that based on the different extracurriculars that they're excited about, they may be able to kind of harness that interest in that extracurricular and look at it through a certain disciplinary lens. And so some of it is, you know, you don't necessarily have to figure out if your student really loves chemistry or really loves uh, comparative literature, or poetry, or, or political science, or geography, um, but also just finding out what is it that they like to do in their free time. Um, how do they want to spend their time after school or when they're not studying? Um, and those become ways to kind of explore things that might turn into interests that they can pursue in college that aren't really available as a course while they're in high school. So that's perfect. What we want to do now is move to a quick summary of your three things that parents should know, and then we'll give some resources that parents can use following this show. So we have number one, to encourage your young person to follow their interest. Uh, to look at that passion, and again, that passion may be in the classroom, but also may be outside the classroom. Uh, the second thing is to find a college that's the best fit, and to look at the different characteristics of colleges, to find a college that they'll do best at, um, and to also make sure that they aren't fearful 
or underestimating their abilities and to look at a few what they may term as reach schools. And then the third would be scholarships and in particular to make sure that they're applying early, maybe as early as October for some scholarship programs. And then secondly, to look at those scholarships for that are full scholarships for high needs students. Did I leave anything out? I think that's all. Um, the one thing I might add is just to, if a student is um, kind of afraid due to a school seeming too competitive or too reached, to encourage them to have um, conversations with their mentors who can really maybe have a more accurate picture of how competitive they are. Okay, great, great. And what about resources? What are some things maybe online that parents could go to easily to continue their search for information and advice about the process? Sure, so the first thing is around choosing a college that's the best fit for your student. Uh, the College Board has a great website that's um, how to find your college fit. Uh, it's kind of a long URL, but um, if you just Google College Board and how to find your college fit, I think it'll come up for you. Um, I'm also assuming you might be able to put the link in your comments. Um, the other two resources um, I would mention is one is the National Scholarship Providers Association. Uh, it's www.scholarshipproviders.org. And if you go and click on their member list, you can see all the different scholarship providers, both merit, need, and both that are listed that give out scholarships. And that's a great place to just see a lot of organizations from your local uh, community foundation to the Coca-Cola Foundation that gives out um, need or merit-based scholarships. Um, typically not, uh, there's a few universities in there, but typically it's outside entities, um, some private foundations as well. And then second, uh, there, if you're looking for scholars programs where you're getting a merit scholarship from a university and you're also part of a scholarship program while you're in it, um, there's an organization called um, the University Scholarship Providers Administrators Association. <laughs> um, and looking at the member institutions there, you can see all the schools that have uh, scholars programs. So that's www.uspaaonline.org. And again, you'll click on the members and be able to see which universities have scholars programs. And the last thing that I'll mention um, is there's an amazing program out there. Emory partners with them, as do some other universities called QuestBridge. Um, and that's an organization that helps prepare um, typically high need, but also high achieving students to be able to apply to college. Um, so that's something to look into. Um, and then once they help them apply, there's a whole process where they can get matched um, with a school. And if they're matched with the school, that school is committing to give them a full scholarship. So that's a very specific um, example of kind of a need and um, merit scholarship that is out there that's for students going to a lot of different universities. Those are great resources. And I, I will have the ability to link all of these uh, resources in the description on the podcast so that parents can just click a button and go directly to those resources. Well, I think we're at the end of the show. I'm, I learned a lot today. I know our parents are, are gonna get a lot out of it. And I know you and I really just hope that parents have the information they need so they can make good decisions uh, for their teenagers so that they can find a great college and graduate with either no debt or as little debt as possible. That's always the goal. So Dr. Soleil, thanks again. Have a great day and we'll see you back soon on the Clover Report podcast. Thanks. Absolutely.
Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Jackson. I really appreciate it. That brings us to the end of today's show. And at the beginning, I said we'd focus on scholarships and two other factors impacting the overall cost of your teenager's college education. I hope you understand that preparing for college and choosing the best fit college contribute to how long it will take your teenager to finish, and that will impact the ultimate cost. Thank you for joining Dr. Soleil and I on this podcast, and I look forward to bringing you another episode of the Clover Report podcast that will help you guide your teenager to success in high school, college, and life. All the best.